Hello and welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First. We're a podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tanner, and I use they-them pronouns. I use she-her, and today we have another special guest. We sure do. Uh, he's a friend of the local potosphere. He spreads fear with a spreadsheet and forges creations with his imagination. It's Benny. <laughs> that is an amazing introduction. Thank you very much. You're too kind. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Benny, what have you brought for us today? Well, let me say my pronouns are he and him. Uh, and what I have brought for you all today is a Spanish cartoon from 1985. That, oh, oh wow! And it was dubbed, and it was dubbed into English in 1987, which works great for me because I was born in 1986, right between the two dates. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so this show is called David the Gnome. Okay. Are you, I've never heard of this. I was going to say, are you familiar with this? No, we're '90s kids from <laughs> Canada, so. Yeah, the only 80s stuff we're familiar with is if it was a half-hour toy commercial. Yeah. Or French. Well, that's you. Oh. This was definitely not a toy commercial. Um, (laughs) Okay. But yeah, it is something that is from, like, deep within my childhood that has just (laughs) stayed somewhere in the back of my mind all of these years, and I just... When I was thinking about, like, well, what would be a show I'd want to bring back? I decided I would love to have something like David the Gnome in the modern world. Okay. It is a a cartoon that is based off of a book series. The books are called The Secret Book of Gnomes. And it's by the Dutch author Will Hugen and illustrator (laughs) Rim Portflit. Those sure are Dutch names. (laughs) Dutch is a strange language. Yeah. Um, and I I'm trying to think of how to describe this show. It's it was very much taking this uh picture book and this illustrations, which was the the books were like a field guide to gnomes. So it was very much about like presenting gnomes as real creatures and telling you about their habits with these really beautiful uh, illustrations of gnomes doing you know fun silly things and lots of different animals and so the cartoon series is very much in that spirit of david introducing you to gnomish culture and all the different things they do and then he goes on these adventures and it's very charming very slow i felt like it was a very slow cartoon okay uh, hmm. and absolutely beautiful like very much uh Fully illustrated, very beautiful uh, cartoon series. Neat. Gnome tourism. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a edu- edutainment show, or I guess that it's it has very much a like take care of the environment, like stewards of nature and the responsibility of humans to to be good. But then it also will go into. Uh, some other topics and such to, to like, it was a show for kids that was still touching on mature topics in a way that kids could understand and process. Okay. Nice. Respect. Mm-hmm. And so 
the main character is David, surprisingly enough. Uh, and he's a gnome. And he, and he is a gnome. And he lives with his wife, Lisa, and they are 399 years old. Okay. In their home, which is, of course, inside of a tree, uh, they live with two mice and a cricket. Mm-hmm. Oh. As, and like, pets or roommates? A little a column A, a little a column B. <laughs> I think the cricket was a little bit more of a pet, and the mice were a little bit more, like, naughty children that were in the background. <laughs> okay. And and this series definitely had the thing where, like, it was a dub, so there would be, like, mouth movements because the Spanish phrase was, I don't know, a little longer or, or they had some <laughs> other thing. And they would dub in all of this other random stuff to, like, make it fit. Uh, but the thing, the thing that really got me was that every single animal was voiced by a person, even though the animals don't actually talk. Okay. So was it just people making an animal noise? It was just people making animal noises, and and it didn't always work for me. It was a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, now I'm just thinking, have either of you seen the Ghibli movie? I'm pretty sure it's called The Name of the Wind or something with the wind. Oh, yeah. It's the planes one. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the one about the guy who created the Zero fighter or fighter bomber. God, I'm... Okay, sign up. My brother and I are trying to start a history podcast, and we're probably going to talk about that, but yeah. I can't remember what the fucking plane is. Well, the the, the plane model is irrelevant to the fact that that yeah. movie, all of these sound effects were people noises. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't use proper poly. <laughs> They're... For artistic reasons, Ghibli is like, you know what, we'll just get people to do all the different sounds. Which sometimes works, but when you realize, like, sometimes you can get deep into the movie, and it's fine. But sometimes you're like, normal movie stuff is happening, and then you just hear someone in the background going, because they're a plane. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Or the wind's going, and you just hear someone going, the wind rises, that's the name of the movie. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so very much like that, that it's somebody making the noises that they think a surprised fox would make. (laughs) (laughs) And it's probably never heard of fox before, but to be fair, not a lot of people have actually heard what foxes sound like. Yeah, what does the fox say? It says, yep, this is a very easy answer. It's yep. (laughs) Uh, But I specifically mentioned fox because... Uh, David's, I guess, close companion and friend is Swift the Fox, and Swift helps to take David all around the world on all of their adventures. <laughs> okay. And they have uh, lots of other characters that are just kind of come and go throughout the series, but the the character that really stuck in my head when I remembered the show was Susan, who is David and Lisa's granddaughter. Okay. And the thing about gnomes in this world is that they only have children once in their life, and every single time they give birth to twins. Oh. Okay. Which is actually a really terrible biological thing, because it means that no gnome can ever die before they reproduce, or their population will go into decline. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because <laughs> it's always two gnomes make two gnomes. <laughs> For the reboot that I want to make, it's uh, a little bit more of a sequel. Because what I would want to see is the cartoon series Susan the Gnome. Nice. Okay. Gnomes, the next generation. Very much. It's, yeah, it's, it's talking about the next generation and Susan's experiences and kind of telling a story of how she was influenced by her grandfather and how history can help lead us into the future is kind of like part of the theme that I see with this series. Nice. Yeah, that David is a doctor. I guess technically a veterinarian slash doctor because he treats both animals and gnomes and very occasionally humans. Well, uh, I hear that happens with country doctors, so our country veterinarians. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Except probably country veterinarians can't talk to the animals, so I feel like David has like kind of a cheat. <laughs> yeah. Um. But what I would uh, want to do with the reboot is that instead of Susan being a doctor, she's still inspired uh, by her grandfather, but she has become a, a botanist and is kind of a, a like plant doctor on the side. Like she helps to take care of uh, plants and stuff. And so she so David would travel around the world and help gnomes and animals that were in distress. And so I imagine Susan traveling around the world and helping people with like agriculture and taking care of like rare you know plants that are you know on the endangered species list or, or things like that neat can she talk to the plants i don't know david and i guess all gnomes are telepathic so the way he would find out about most of like the way you would call him is to think really hard at him and say, "Hey, there's some deer <laughs> that got their ho- their antlers locked together. Please come and help them." <laughs> and the show would like close up, do a close up on his eyes as like spring open as he gets a telepathic message. <laughs> <laughs> I must go. A whale needs me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, and I I forgot to mention. The very, very beginning of this series, we, you know, slowly zoom into the tree where David and Lisa live, and it zooms in, and we go into the bathroom, and our introduction to David is that he is in the bathtub taking a bubble bath, and that is how we meet him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. And and if we were doing the, like, adult reboot version of this it it would be something very else entirely (laughs) yeah yeah no i i am fine with keeping this uh g-rated no we need a sexy gnome bath (laughs) i will say david and lisa are very affectionate to each other and have a very clearly like healthy and wonderful like relationship with each other and it's very entertaining to watch and lisa is she's definitely a housewife but she's also completely competent and saves david like in a couple of episodes or is you know just as capable as he is it's just she stays at home most of the time but she's fully capable and i really appreciated that so she does it because that's what she likes to do not because she has to do it Mm -hmm. nice yep 
And you got to thank European Productions for, you know, prioritizing love and affection and being physically close to one another as opposed to, you know, Western Anglosphere and our love of violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say gnomes kiss by rubbing their noses together. Aww. Aww. I got into a deep Twitter conversation yesterday about Andalites kissing. <laughs> oh, gosh. I... Do they just rub their tails together? Like, I don't even know. No, but they, they like, they intimately touch each other's faces. Oh. And, and the okay. people I was talking to, like, do Andalites kiss? I'm like, well, I'm glad you asked, because I found a Marco slash Axe fanfic just the other day that is perfect for this. <laughs> <laughs> why, Tanner? Why? And then... No, you. The, I'm not the Y tenor because listen, this conversation ended when it spiraled into Sky drawing a picture of Horkmajir in tidy whities and pool noodles over their spikes so that they could safely make out with each other. You need to leave at least part of that Great. silence in just to let you know. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll make it yeah. longer. <laughs> Uh, but at, at least you didn't write this Tanner it was someone else thank god no I haven't I haven't finished my Axe Marco fanfic yet mm. listen they're made for each other anyway Benny <laughs> so gnomes gnomes um, well, well speaking of trolls that is I guess the main antagonist of the series is that there are these trolls that are really, like, very nasty but incredibly stupid creatures that David runs into very frequently. And the gnome, or the trolls are constantly trying to catch the gnomes because they want to eat them or something. And so they're typically the main antagonist that'll pop up throughout the series. Okay. And I, you all should... Uh, Google what these trolls look like and describe them to the listeners because that's I don't I don't have the words for it. <laughs> okay, so I, they're I feel like I've seen the trolls before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're hairy and stocky, have very red noses. And very red ears. And then like late beetles haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's also a, a picture of a baby troll. Yes. Which looks like a lion cub with a people face and hands and feet. Yeah, one of the yeah. one of the episodes was David actually ends up rescuing this baby troll for its mother. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other adventures. I mean, some of them were like super epic fantasy stories of like rescuing magic daggers from the trolls, and then some of them are super mundane, like they go to a birthday party for a little kid. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, yeah, and frequently he is rescuing animals or helping sick gnomes. Uh, at one point he gets captured by the trolls and Lisa has to go and save him. There's the episode with the baby troll. Uh, there's an episode with a bad gnome named Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> And so gnomes do not like, like hunt or hurt animals, but Ivan the Terrible really likes fur. And so normally the gnomes 
wait until the animal dies and then they use like the fur to make like their linings or whatever but Ivan the Terrible was stealing them from hunters and making the hunters kill the animals in order to get the fur so David ends up in a very weird episode basically emasculating him by like stealing his hat and making him wear a woman's hat which looks basically the exact same thing as a man's hat (laughs) it was a very weird episode most of them are very odd charming i mean i guess you start from position you name someone ivan the terrible but instead of conquering russia they're just they're no mela deville yes yeah (laughs) with a very european understanding of the fur trade yeah and so for our rebooted series i definitely want to be able to talk about you know different issues and also talking about nature because that's very much i think the core of the series is talking about um, taking care of the environment so that would definitely be a message that pops up that they'd go to different parts of the world like they go to the rainforest and talk about how important that is to the world and they'd go somewhere and talk about you know climate change and how it's affecting you know this area of the world and one thing i definitely want to include is make it more more international because for the most part the original series was very uh eurocentric yeah yeah um that like mostly I can't remember where they actually were supposed to live. They even show it on a map at some point. Uh, But they go to Russia several times, I think. Well, yeah, Um, Ivan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's mostly European. I think one time they go to India, but then there's a hippo there. So I think I don't I don't know what was happening. Well, as you know, all of India and Africa, they're basically the same place. (laughs) Yeah. So for the reboot... Uh, one, I would also like the cast to be a little bit more diverse, even though they're all still gnomes. So my idea was that Susan married uh, an immigrant gnome from uh, Benin, Benin in Africa, okay. and he would be called an Aziza gnome, which I had to. I, I went and I looked this up, and Aziza is like uh, a fairy from uh, Benin, Benin. I cannot Benin, remember the name I of this country. Benin. Yeah, Benin. Yeah, oh, Benin. Benin. So Benin uh, folk tales. So Aziza is like their word for fairies. So I was like, oh, well, that's just what they call the gnomes that are from Africa or from like Western Africa. Uh, and so I decided like bringing in other mythologies and other cultures would also be important. So I, I also liked bringing in an interracial couple and having Susan and, you know, her husband be like... Different races of gnomes. And... An internomal marriage. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I don't feel like you, even in modern cartoons, you see a lot of like interracial couples. So I feel like that's good to have that representation in a very sweet cartoon. Yeah. In a way, you could say that all gem fusions are interracial. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the final episode of the original series is absolutely wild oh boy okay lay it on us yeah so normally gnomes live 400 years Uh uh-oh do you see where this is going oh no is david gonna die oh no he does in the very last episode of the series david and his wife lisa go up 
this like mystical gnome mountain with one of their friends and become trees. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually okay with that. There's like a Greek myth about an old couple. They had welcomed in uh, Zeus and Hermes. I think they were in disguise. They didn't know mm-hmm. that that had happened. And they treated the gods so well that they're like, you can have whatever you want. We'll give you whatever. And when they died, they're like, can we please die together so that we can be together in the afterlife? And they returned it to trees and their branches interlocked with each other. It was very nice. Especially so the, given that, you know, Zeus is, well, Zeus. Right. And so the, the end of the series, or not the very end of the series, but the end of the series is uh, David and Lisa basically passing away to become spirits. And they turn into apple trees that branches are interwoven together. Aww. But like the episode is basically them just waking up one morning and being like, well, we're 400. It's time to die. <laughs> and, just, and they release the mice and the cricket and say this really long, very emotional goodbye to Swift. Aww. Wow. And their their friend, uh, I think it was Charlie, goes with them because he didn't want to go by himself. Like he, I don't, I don't know if he had a wife or anything, but he was by himself, and he was four hundred too. And so they go and they pick him up, uh, and they Aww. like give all these toasts as they're like preparing to go and up this mountain to to the gnome version of die, and it's just a really fascinating way to discuss death with children. Yeah. And like, I'm all for death positivity. Like we live in an era where we have sanitized the process of dying so much. Like when grandma gets too old, we put her into a home. And then when she passes on, she is almost immediately taken to the morgue. Her body is prepared and then disposed of. However, and you almost don't, see any of that process anymore until the very end and even then like if your body is cremated like you're probably not going to see in between any of those stages and like even as adults we're fairly disconnected from death so it's a good way to talk about that whole death and dying process with a child in a way that's safe and um you know at their understanding level yeah like It can be very difficult to explain death to a child um, outside of someone the child knowing actually dying. Because or like a pet. Or... <clears throat> yeah. Because it's like a lot of children, it takes them a while to realize that death is like permanent and the person's gone and they're not coming back. And so it does take a while for that to stick. For some yeah. kids. Yeah. And the... The very, very end of that last episode is is basically the takeaway is supposed to be that even when people pass out of your life, you will you will be okay and you will eventually find like some something new or someone new that you can connect with and that life goes on. Because the end of it is Swift is coming down the mountain by himself, like crying making all of these really weird human noises without actually (laughs) saying anything oh no and then he runs into a gnome riding a female fox (laughs) (laughs) and 
apparently foxes have very swift and fast like mourning periods because as soon as he meets this well not as soon as he meets this female fox it does take a couple of beats into them running into each other he's fine and he's like running after the two of them as they go off on their next adventure uh <laughs> Um, like, <laughs> I guess, like, life go- does go on, but in a way, especially in, like, more modern eras where we have, like, photographs and now we have video, like, we can still have the person who has passed away with us in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can also become a tree when you die. Like, that's yeah. that's not even me being a goof. There's, like, a service where you can get your body... I don't know what process, but basically they turn you into fertilizer and then they plant a tree in the remains, like to put you in the plot and put a tree in the plot and let that tree grow. And then like that tree is your tombstone, essentially. Yeah, well, there's there's one where it's you're basically the the urn that you are cremated in is biodegradable and contains a seed inside of it. Oh, yes, that's the way it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you bury your your ashes in this urn in the ground, and then the tree like that. I one hundred percent would do that, and I wonder if part of that is being influenced by the show in my subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now and remember, Lindsay, we already really... agreed that when you die, you're getting mummified. <laughs> well, I was just wondering if that could still be done, and yes, you can still get it done legally. It is possible. But it is highly expensive because the process in which uh, to get the full pharaonic, um, like the best version of mummification, it takes like over two months to do. Uh, yeah, something like that. Well, maybe yeah, because your after... body has to like dry out in nitrate for at least a month. Well, maybe when you're done, we'll sell. We'll make the money back by selling you to a snack shop. <laughs> well, I also heard of this one process where you can. Um, your ashes can be turned into a diamond? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one that one is still a little bit uh iffy for me because you are literally holding a dead body. I mean, at least when it's a tree, it's like, oh, it's the circle of life. When when you if you give me like a diamond and say, "Hey, this is your grandma." I'm like, "Oh, she's going to be wicked haunting me." I mean, I wouldn't mind. It's my grandma. But still, I, Not I still everybody have... is going to haunt you, Tanner. I still <laughs> haven't gotten over the casual cannibalism reference. <laughs> it, like, it's, it's just mummies. It's it's already established. <laughs> yeah. There's different ways of mourning the dead. You know, uh, down in... Where was it? Uh, Borneo? Or wherever? No, not Borneo, but like... You know, Southeast Asia and the Polynesia, they used to perform uh, ritualized cannibalism. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. long as you prepare it properly, you you should be fine. Yeah, you don't eat the brains. Don't eat the brain. That, yeah. Um, that's where you get, like, um, the human version of, of Mad Cow, yeah. basically. Yeah. 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 Prions. Yeah, prions. Prions are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think cannibalism will be one of the topics I want Susan the Gnome <laughs> to address. <laughs> uh, yeah no no this is a child sh- this is a children's show no cannibalism until they're older so, yeah just so, fun plant to- oh my gosh what if susan talks about cordyceps no <laughs> so yeah i guess my question would be what would be some topics just with 
your brief introduction to the the spirit of this series, what do you feel like would be topics they could address? Um, um or that you would like to keeping see keeping the the environmentalism theme from the first series. Um because like even if it's still eurocentric, like there's a lot of european related problems with the environment that are sort of unique um mostly it's issues with deforestation and um pollution in general Mm -hmm. um like um in europe from what i understand from a professor of mine he he was from germany and he says that they transport a lot of their goods via uh truck like you know semis and all that a lot more than we do here in North America. Like we use trains all the time Hmm. and each truck uses up way more fuel than like a train with say 30, 40, 50 cars attached to it. Okay. And yeah, just like deforestation is a major thing and dumping, especially in Eastern Europe. It's really bad. Um, Oh yeah. You mentioned climate change earlier. I mean, I guess I feel like climate change is going to be a through line throughout the whole series just because it affects everything. But I think it would be cool if there was an an episode about forest fires and how for a lot of forests, they're a natural part. And then compare that to the forest fires that we get in California now, which are like the absolute worst. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting because like the the beginning of the episodes uh, for the original series was usually like. David very quickly introducing you to some gnomish culture and then going off on an adventure. And I could see an episode where like Susan's talking about the the native forest that they go out on a picnic or something and she talks about the native forest and how the, the forest fires actually help the trees. And then she's called to California to help deal with something and, and talking about the how the forest fires have gotten out of hand there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently, um, and it was talking about this one explorer from the Edwardian era named, uh, Percy Fawcett, and he might have found a civilization in, uh, the Amazon basin. And, uh, he famously got lost in the middle of the Amazon, was never recovered. Um, and this is back in, like, the early 1920s. And the area where he went missing, because people have gone looking for where he possibly went, it's now completely deforested. Dang. Now, on... Oh. Yeah. And um, basically the only areas left of Brazil that have it, Like, yeah, there's a lot of areas still that are jungle and are vast tracts of forest, but... Um, a lot of those areas are also protected because they're part of uh, the First Nations reservations down there. And the only thing stopping for the development of uh, the Amazon Basin is those reservations. And unfortunately, the current president of uh, Brazil is a fucking Nazi. I don't throw that term around lightly, but he has basically said it. And yeah, he's probably going to strip those rights and develop that area. And, yeah, we're going to lose one of our lungs, basically. Mm-hmm. And the the fascinating thing about, like, the original series is that it just straight up calls humans out on some of the dumb stuff that they do. And it's done in very much a, like, oh, David is this, you know, old gnome, and, you know, he's very jovial, and, like, why humans? Why you got to be so dumb sometimes? <laughs> yeah. But it just straight up calls out, like, we are messing up the environment. And again, this was 30 years ago. 
giving this environmental <laughs> message to children. Uh, like we're we're still here. We're still having this issue. Of it's oof. not gonna go away. Like I'd uh, rather we do something now than wait for the disaster to come. Yeah, and I I think it would be fun. Maybe not fun, but I think it would be important to also talk about like immigration uh, and and different cultures coming together and how different gnomish cultures actually get along because gnomes are like perfect creatures or whatever. Um, (laughs) Using them as an example of like learning about uh, Susan's husband and the culture that he's from and how moving to... I guess the Netherlands. I don't remember where they were, but you know, uh, we'll say they live right outside of Copenhagen or something. Because <laughs> uh, the original series was very much set in a woods, very much wild settings. But I feel like a modern version would have to have a much more like suburban vibe to it. And so, yeah, Susan now lives like in a garden. Because uh, these gnomes are also like super, super tiny. I, I didn't mention that at the beginning, but like they are super tiny and can like have a whole bunch of them ride a fox at one time. Uh, so okay. like they live in a garden. Now. They're not like the Travelocity roaming gnome sized. No. <laughs> they look exactly like David looks exactly like that gnome, but yeah. much smaller. <laughs> it's like you picture gnome and th- that's the gnome. Yeah. Well, at least with the kiddos, they'll have instant recognition of what a gnome is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sorry. I I googled exploding trees. We just Why? need an episode on exploding trees because it's not just from fire. There, trees will explode due to extreme cold because the tree sap expands with the water. <laughs> so it's not just a eucalyptus problem. Yeah, well, yeah, eucalyptus explode when the eucalyptus oil is vaporized in extreme heat. <laughs> but all across North America, it's an issue to the point where the Dakota Sioux and the Cree First Nations, um, the first new moon of the new year is known in various dialects as the moon of the exploding cold trees. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds like an episode to me. So, yeah. So, when you do your gnome death, make sure you turn into a tree in a very temperate climate, because you don't want to spontaneously explode. Uh, yeah, like, the Netherlands. Well, they they went up this mountain, and it was, like, freezing cold, and the wind was blowing, and, like, Swift was having trouble, like, getting them. But then they eventually get past it, and suddenly it's this, like beautiful idyllic meadow like clearly magic going on so so hopefully the gnomes don't have to worry about exploding temperature controlled (laughs) gnome heaven yes yeah Uh, or we could say it's set in spain and it's the pyrenees and there's a lot of like really neat valleys and all that so oh i like that referencing the original series and that it was the spanish company that made it (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) Uh, and so Swift was the, like, animal companion, like, transport system in the original series. What would you, what would you like to see for Susan the Gnome? What kind of animal companion does she have that takes her all over the world, regardless of how fast the animal is actually supposed to move? 
I think it'd be fun if she had a more fantastic animal companion, so give her a jackalope. <laughs> oh, I like that. I was actually thinking... Yeah, jackalopes are fun. I'm thinking about bringing in more mythological creatures and, like, cryptids. I would love to have cryptids on this television series. <laughs> a Sasquatch episode! Yeah, have a... <laughs> exactly! I was thinking of the chupacabra. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. That might get a little intense for the kitties. Oh, there was a Chupacabra episode on Jackie Chan Adventures, Tanner. This is true, but did that Chupacabra ever actually suck a goat on screen? No, and I think most kids outside of the Spanish-speaking sphere don't actually know what Chupacabra means. Right. And I, I could definitely imagine hearing Susan say that, oh, it's called the Chubacabra, which means goat sucker, but they don't actually do that. And like, they're very docile <laughs> creatures, really. And then it's like a picture of her, like, talking to some Chubacabra and like, you know, patting one on the snout. Very sweet and cute. <laughs> or maybe it's lost because there's some theories that it might be an alien of some sort, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Speaking of, I guess, fan fiction uh one of my live journal entries back when that was a thing was a series of short vignettes about different cryptid creatures and there was this like a guardian spirit that existed throughout like time and space taking care of different cryptid creatures and the chupacabra like vignette was that like they were just stopping over and like uh just stopping for a moment like oh i'll come back like right yeah. back and then like chupacabra gets lost <laughs> Aww. Aww. but speaking of guardian cryptids there's um one theory about the mothman that like he appears as kind of more of a warning sign mm-hmm. that something bad's about to happen because um, a lot of his appearances in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, was uh, prior to uh, one of the bridges collapsing. And unfortunately, a bunch of people died. Mm-hmm. And then I, in recent years, uh, people have been talking about, uh, I guess people saw something weird during Chernobyl. Yeah. And um, have it's been linked, the Mothman's been linked to Chernobyl. I, I, Which is another particularly European natural disaster right there. But also you could say, you know, some good has come from having nobody in the Pripyat marshes for a long mm-hmm. time. I actually lived down the road from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, growing up. Any interesting stories? <laughs> um, I, West Virginia is full of all sorts of weird things. I... 100% believe there is some <laughs> ominous spirit coming to that came to West Virginia. Like, yeah, I totally believe it. West Virginia is totally haunted. Yeah. The whole state. All those country roads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I also think West Virginia is part of like the mammoth cave system. Like, it's over yeah. top of the mammoth cave system, which um, is mostly in um, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky. Yeah, I remember going yeah. in, as a kid there but in like, Kentucky. It connects throughout that entire area. Mm-hmm. And there's some really neat stories that come out of the that cave system. Mm-hmm. And caves are, an, are are a really fascinating environment yeah. themselves. Yeah, we could have several cave episodes. <laughs> but they go wandering through the cave. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. 
They could also, like you mentioned earlier, but what if they did do a Chernobyl episode? That would be really intense, but I, I like that idea of like talking about nuclear disasters. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe maybe a little bit more lighthearted, but there's an island in Japan where they had a reactor meltdown. And so all like all the people evacuated, but a lot of animals and the wildlife were left behind. And then there's like one guy who just moved to the island to help care for all the animals. And he can never leave now because of all the radiation. And like he'd spread radiation poisoning if he came back to the mainland. Mm. But like people have set up a GoFundMe to help ship supplies to him so he can keep caring for all the animals there. Yeah. Now, I don't know about gnome physiology, but I feel like they'd have some protection against radiation poisoning. Probably. So they could definitely go visit this guy. And he sounds like a kind of human that the gnomes would actually reveal themselves to. Because the yeah. humans don't show up in the series too much. Uh, and I, okay. there's only one episode that I remember off the top of my head where like, a human actually interacts with the gnomes and it's a really funny actually because he the human ends up rescuing lisa after she got attacked by a cat and like she was fine uh but he like picked her up and bandaged her and like left her by the windowsill to recover and so david decides he's going to like thank him by granting him wishes and even before he talks to the guy, David goes and visits one of his friends and says, hey, can you let me borrow your bar of gold? And he's, you know, his friend's like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, give a human a wish. You know exactly what's going to happen. It's the same thing every time. So the guy wishes for a bar of gold and David has the bar of gold and then a whole bunch of disasters happen, and by the end of the third wish, because he gets three wishes, the end of the third wish, he get he gives the gold bar back to David so that he can like get out of jail and not <laughs> die. <laughs> but it was the whole time David is just like, oh, you know, humans are dumb. They wish for the same thing. They don't know what they want. This is gonna be really simple and easy, and it'll, you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> I looked, I looked up the guy. His name is Naoto Matsumura. And yeah, he lives in the 12.5 mile exclusion zone in Fukushima. And yeah, he's known as the guardian of animals. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that it was because of um, Fukushima and the uh, whole tsunami that happened there. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, I was taking a... So at the University of Regina, if you're in the arts department, you have to take a science as... So that you're a fully rounded right. <laughs> student. And I decided to take geology. And I remember the day um, I walked into the theater that we were having our lectures in. And the prof had like the big screen down. And he was projecting uh, news footage of the tsunami just crawling in inland into Japan. And it was... It was... I don't know. It's hard to describe that feeling. It, mm-hmm. It's like you're seeing it makes you feel very small when you think about it, like the yeah. power of nature and all that. We were also doing our seismology unit, so yeah, great timing. Oh wow. Yeah. Seismology and volcanology is my favorite part of geology, so yeah. It was a it was an interesting day. That's cool, yeah. That would be fun yeah. to have like a volcano episode or something like that mm-hmm. where they like yeah. 
rescue animals. One of the like things that has burned into my head is one of the ep- episodes is these like this whole giant group of rabbits that were stuck on this island and they had to go and rescue them during the storm. So I could see in the, the, the sequel having like the volcano is going to explode. So they have to get all of these animals out of the area and like help, you know, move them very quickly and uh, having that be one of the, the episode adventures. Yeah, that's cool. And then you could also show the other side of volcanoes, how much um, fertility mm-hmm. and rejuvenation exactly. that they bring to an area. Yeah, that'd be perfect. My, I think my one final thought on it uh, was that David was writing in a journal like throughout the whole series and, and writing about gnomes and such. And, and the very last episode, he finishes the journal uh, and then decides, oh, it's time to die. Uh, but I would love, <laughs> I would love in the sequel if it's uh, Susan going through her grandfather's journals and reading passages from it and kind of learning, you know, sage advice from her grandfather, even though he passed on, and how it relates to her life today, and kind of using that as uh, a narrative um, device to help with the episodes and kind of delivering messages. Yeah. That would be really nice. Although, that does remind me of something I meant to ask earlier. So, Susan is David's granddaughter. Mm -hmm. Do we ever meet her parents, the actual direct children of David? (laughs) There's a flashback episode when they're children, um, but I can't remember ever meeting them as adults. Uh. So, like, we meet, and I don't remember if it's the son or the daughter is the parent to Susan. Like, I just, I don't remember... Um, but we meet we meet one of parent of Susan's parents when they're a child, um, but yeah, I don't think we actually meet them as as adults. <laughs> and like they, David and Lisa say goodbye to Susan when they go to die. No, they don't. Oh, they don't. Oh, that is oh. cold. It's very bizarre. They say goodbye to the animals, like this huge tear-jerking experience of saying goodbye to all of the animals in the forest. Like, when they leave their house, all of the animals come to say goodbye to them. But you don't ever see any of the gnomes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Which I don't know if that's just because they didn't have the budget for the voice actors, or if like that was something in the books that just didn't they, get translated. They spent it all on people <laughs> making animal noises. They didn't have any left over for people making people noises. Yep. <laughs> it was a. It's a wild episode. <laughs> just an emotional roller coaster right there. Oh man, and it's all. It almost reminds me of the situation with, like, with Doctor Who, the first Doctor has a granddaughter named Susan, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think later on, her mother is named, but I don't remember if we ever really get much about Susan's mother. Susan the Gnome is a Time Lord. (laughs) I mean, I completely would believe that David the Gnome was the first Doctor, but (laughs) I guess, I don't know. That's, uh, yeah. And when you die, you regenerate into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> but they only live to be 400 years old. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not even true, because they say that there are some gnomes that live longer than that, but, like, most gnomes 
choose to move on when they're 400 years old. <laughs> well, you see a lot in 400 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that would have been the 1600s when when they were born. Yeah, thereabouts, if we're talking about 1980s. Yeah. So 1500s. Like before, yeah, the end of the 1500s. Yeah, late 1500s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've seen quite a bit. Yep. And so, like, Susan would still be tremendously young for a gnome, even 30 years later. Because I think she's still a child by gnomish definition, but, like, a gnome doesn't become an adult until they're 100, which actually means their childhood is one quarter of their entire life, which is Hmm. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that would make her, like, just passed into adulthood, so she'd still be pretty young in the series. Um, so she'd be like a newlywed or something, or maybe she would get married in the series. That yeah, and we would see some of that courtship and like that healthy relationship slowly develop over the series. And the end. Let's have the end of this series is the two of them get married. Yeah, yeah, that would be really nice. I like a good wedding ending. Yeah, so Susan could be strong, independent gnome for most of the series. <laughs> She don't need no man, but she'll she'll take him. He's fine. Whatever. Yeah, her her love interest can be like introduced as just a normal ally in the first episode along with everyone else, and then it's just very slow burn over the course of the whole series. Yes. Like slow development of a relationship would be nice to see in a series, but not like the will they won't they. It's just oh, we've decided we will, but we'll take it easy. We'll see if this really does work out. Oh, hey, it did actually work out. We've just put it on our calendar. It's like, like f- fall in love, get married, and then this time, 300 years from now, become trees. <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of tree would you want to be when you pass into gnome heaven? Hmm. <laughs> Are cacti trees? I, I think they're succulents of some... <laughs> if you want to be a cactus, I will not stop you. Yeah. Uh, I'm living in maple country, so I might become an oak just out of spite. <laughs> uh, I would go for broke, and I would just become a redwood. Yeah. Big and tall. Yes, that's a decent description of me. Oh, talk about those forests where, like, the roots of the trees have become so intertwined that they're all essentially the same organism. Oh, well, um, poplars are basically, like, they clone themselves. Yeah. So, basically, like, there's this one giant poplar forest for North America, and they're all freaking clones, basically. <laughs> it's weird. Well, they're, the root system is all the same, so it's technically yeah. one organism. Oh, what is the name Oh. It's it's on my list of places that I want to visit because it's not actually that too far away from where I live now. Pando, it's the, Pando, yeah, yeah. the it's trembling giant. <laughs> <laughs> They're quaking aspens. Or That's it ominous. Is a quaking aspen. And its name is Pando, and so all of the leaves turn 
the same time and all of them fall off at the exact same time because it's all the exact same organism. Yeah, so if any of the listeners are interested, it's a quaking aspen determined to be a single living organism by identical genetic markers and assumed to be one massive underground root system. The plant is located in Fairmont River Ranger District of the Fish Lake National Forest at the western edge of the Colorado Plateau in south-central Utah, about uh, one mile or 1.6 kilometers southwest of Fish Lake. And it occupies 43 hectares or 106 acres and is estimated to weigh a collectively six hunt. Oh, God, six million kilograms or 6,600 short tons, making it the heaviest known organism. <laughs> the root system of Pando it, at an estimate of 80,000 years old is amongst the oldest known living organisms. You know that when the end times come, that thing's just going to stand up and become an old god. <laughs> well, imagine the dryad attached to that. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> it's Tafiti. <laughs> yeah, like, you can't tell me this thing doesn't have some level of intelligence to it. Plants are just so incredibly alien. They could all be super intelligent and we would just never have any idea. Yeah. Because, like, I would not be surprised if our brains are just not capable of understanding what they understand. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they experience time very differently from us. Oh, yeah. Well, there's this one theory that uh, time is all happening all at once, so... It certainly feels that way sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's all I've really got for David the Gnome and its sequel series, Susan the Gnome. I will say there was an actual sequel series that I never saw that was, I guess, about a wandering gnomish judge. Huh. Huh. But this gnomish is the... true crime. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the uh, modern... A uh, direct sequel of Susan the Gnome. Yeah, that would be yeah. really fun. That'd be a good kid show. Um, we're almost at time. So before we end, I do want to quickly go through some jokes I thought of earlier and didn't get a chance to mention. Uh, so <laughs> just rapid fire. The fact that David talks about like gnomish culture immediately made me think of those Dragonology books from way back when. Yes, oh, very yeah. much so. Number two, gnomes respond to people thinking about them and, like, being in distress. So all gnomes are the Babadook, or the Babadook is a gnome. <laughs> I can believe it. Just a really tall one. Maybe yeah. David and Lisa kicked their children out because they chose to become Babadooks. <laughs> <laughs> they moved into Australia. Australia does strange things to everybody. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and point number three. Baby troll do 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 do. Baby troll do 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 do. Right. Benny, stop giving me that judgy look. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's just a default for me sometimes. <laughs> that's that's a look I invoke in many people. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Um, while we while we ponder and everyone just gives me that look, we will quickly cut over to a friendship promo. Hey everybody, Tanner here. In lieu of a pre-recorded friend promo, I've taken it upon myself to make one myself. 
not for myself, of course, but you know what I mean. You may have noticed that we have some new cover art for our podcast today. This lovely piece was put together by my friend Alex Pierce, aka Pichu. That's P-T-C-H-E-W. If you think something similar to it is right for you, then you can certainly commission her. She does digital art ranging from character portraits to the collage you see before you. If you'd like to contact her, she can be found on Twitter at Pachu, Etsy at Etsy.com slash shop slash Pachu, and her own website, Pachu.com. She also made a short film called Ghost Movie Movie Ghost, which is very good. So if that interests you, be sure to give her a shout, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so so we're back. Uh, Benny, why don't you tell us about some of the places you can be found on the internet? Uh, well, I have my own podcast. It is called Uregar's Forge of Creation. It is a storytelling podcast where my guest and I choose a fantasy civilization, and with a few word prompts, we, we build a whole new world for them to live in and all of their weird quirks. Uh, Tanner's been on the show twice now. I hope Lindsay will be on the show sometime. I shall find time. Yay. <laughs> uh, you can find that show uh, where podcasts exist. It's Urigar's Forge of Creation. That's E-U-R-I-G-A-R. Uh, you can also fo- follow me on Twitter at Urigar's F-O-C. Uh, and me specifically at Ben Active, B-E-N-N Active. I'm also on Instagram under Ben Active as well. Oh, I should follow you then. Mostly a lot of art projects and random things that I run across living wherever it is that I happen to be at the time. That's that's totally valid. I think my Instagram is books and hats. <laughs> oh, and tie and knots. And books and I have a lot of tie knots on my Instagram. <laughs> um, I just realized that this episode was very similar to the one you just did with Jake about people transforming after death. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, in the reg- in that regard, yes, they are similar. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, how about you? How's your internet? <laughs> um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, and you can get to my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart. You can find me on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they are pronounced Nyarif! And you can find this very podcast on Instagram at Not If I Reboot You First, all one word. And the hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F, also pronounced Nyarf. <laughs> And if you wish to send us your comments, your criticisms, your critiques, which are also criticisms, but I guess fancier, <laughs> you can send us it's suggestions. That's French. <laughs> you can send us suggestions of stuff you'd like to see us reboot, and I'll add it to my ever-growing, ever-loving list. <laughs> you can also ask if you want to be a guest, like the very cool Benny here was today. Yay! Yay! Thank, it's thank fun. you for coming, Benny. Yeah, thanks. It was definitely fun. I'm glad we were able to do this undertaking, spreading ourselves across three time zones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Saskatchewan is special, Tanner. Because that province is actually smart and got rid of fucking... No, yeah, but still, either way, I'm I'm either two hours away from Benny or two hours away from you, regardless of where the time is. (laughs) Look, as soon as we can get rid of daylight savings, the better. 
I'm I'm for it. Let's just get rid of time zones in general. Mm, then a certain chromogeny Scott is gonna like rise from the dead and be like, "What the <laughs> fuck have y'all done? <laughs> I made time zones so that the trains could run on time, Lottie." It's just the tree turns back into a person. <laughs> I don't know. China has one time zone for the entire country and it does weird things for businesses. <laughs> I don't know. Look, the common CPC can do or the CCP can do whatever it wants. It is godlike in its power. You know what? I get that it's great for people trying to make podcasts in China. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably. <laughs> Yeah, they have other things to worry about other than, you know, time. Yeah. Um, the final thing we usually do is we drop a hint for what one of us is going to do next week, but next week is going to be a special episode uh, where not even God knows what we'll be doing. Yeah. Certain, uh, certain days are coming. It is Beltane soon. I don't know what that means. It's Celtic holiday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you have something special lined up for that? Maybe. I have. I specifically requested the episode that comes out just before April 8th for reasons. <laughs> okay. But until then, um, we'll, we'll see you later. We'll, we'll talk at you later. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>